I'll start off by saying I'm bored, I'm broke, and I'm back. <laughs> Gumby, how are you? I'm fired up, Stabby. I am not currently very happy in this world. You're not good. Well, it's been a couple weeks since uh, we have had an opportunity to do a little WFT chit-chat here on the Cult of Cult. Um, We're going to make up for some lost time. There has been a lot going on since we last talked. I believe the last time we uh, recorded a little podcast, we were sunny and bright. Washington was coming off the heels of a one-point divisional victory over the New York Giants. Um, There's been a good amount of football that has happened since then. There's also been a lot of um, football-adjacent, non-football malfeasance that I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't address. So I I think what, to me, makes sense, and this is a a Democratic podcast, although we don't really have a tiebreaker here. We don't have, like, tiebreaking rules uh, we'll have to work on our bylaws in order to figure out what that, what the, how that looks. But I think we should probably um, dive in, talk about sort of the non-football stuff, which is definitely the less fun, but ultimately, potentially, ultimately, I would say more important stuff going on right now in the grand scheme of things. And then we will dive back in and talk a little bit about sort of what we're seeing from the 2021 Washington football team, 53-man, on the field, results, yada, yada. D- does that sort of sound okay to you? I mean, if the answer I mean, is no, okay. we're in a lot of trouble. But uh, No, no, they, that, let's let's do this. Let, let's, let's talk about this tidal wave of crap that has just hit the Washington football team over the last couple of days that has nothing to do with the on-field moments. Let's yeah. talk about – again, Bruce Allen used to say we're winning the offseason – well, yeah. we're really losing the, the 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 full season this time. Our yeah. team's on the ropes, and now our actual owner's front office is completely imploding off of some stuff that happened over the last few years, and it's all starting to come out. And it all started with 650,000 60, emails that were found inside an investigation with the Washington football team called the Wilkinson Report. Yeah. It's crazy that we have to, in order to start this conversation, we have to go back 10 years. 10 right? years. Like, we, yeah. we, can't, we can't even, like, well, a couple weeks ago, this thing happens. Like, no, fat, rewind. Where, what were you doing in 2011? Because you're going to have to put yourself in the headspace in order to really remember what in the dang heck we're, we're going on about here. Um, that's not ever really a good sign, but I think that that is probably as good a place to start as any. And the problem is, so people are, are yelling, screaming on, and I've been following up to date on Twitter. So, so you follow us on Twitter, you'll see that, you know, I'm keeping everything up to date, but the big yeah. thing is I hear people talk about cancer culture, specifically with John Gruden and the fact he had to retire or resign. The thing is, is that a lot of cancer culture has to do with, you said one or two things. You said something 10 years ago that was a little off, like Trey Turner had to apologize for something he said in high school. Okay. I get that. That's, I don't agree with that. This is 2011 to 2018 consistent emails that are coming back and forth between John Gruden and Bruce Allen in which is just showing John Gruden's true colors. This isn't cancel culture. This is really who John Gruden is showing over and over again what he thinks and how he thinks it. And that was from 2011 to 2018 pretty much is what cost John Gruden his job is the emails that came between him and Washington football team president Bruce Allen. Yeah, and I mean, we, we're 100% not going to debate the merits of cancel culture as an abstract here, but it's like the idea that, at the, you know, John Gruden, who this week was fired uh, from his position. He yeah, resigned. Like, resigned. He resigned. Okay, resigned. Yeah, yeah fair enough. With like, he had six years left of a 10-year, $100 million. Is it, it's something. It's, so, yeah, that he's getting the, $10 million a year, but yeah, it was 10 years, $100 million plus. The, the fact that, I mean, at the time when this was going on, um, you know, he was one of ESPN's 
preeminent broadcasters. He was on the Monday Night Football. He was their color guy. They were featuring him. They had the John Gruden's coaching room. They'd sort of do the segments with the quarterbacks, the quarterback camp thing. Uh, I will admit that I I know people kind of think as a broadcaster, he's kind of a cheesy guy. And sort of, man, I love this guy going out there. Nathan Peterman, he's the future. I, you know, I, I had some fondness for his approach because at a minimum it seemed like he liked the game and it's that should not be in my mind the minimum level of standard for whether or not a broadcaster is good or bad but in this day and age there are a number of broadcasts where you turn the game on you're like are you even having a good time like are you even liking what you're seeing like why why are you in the broadcast booth if you hate football yeah, they've and, been doing all the Washington football team games. Those yeah. guys are horrible. Some of the worst in the league. And you're right. John Gruden was really good at that color commentation. Unfortunately, in the background, he was really good and really poetic with some emails about yeah, making being fun a shit of bag. being a shitbag. Yeah. I mean, he made fun of everybody, shat on everybody, turned his back on everybody. I'm not going to the exact wordage he uses because no. i don't want to get into that but no you, people can it's, people it's can, out there if, if it's you, out there if you want to know you presumably if you're listening to us you know what we're talking about um yeah. and if not then there has been more uh words spilled on this than we even have the time to get into needless to say it was repugnant repellent yeah has no place in this society has no place in, I mean, if we're talking about, like, well, you can't you can't relitigate what someone said 10 years ago. It's like, okay, well, even if that's true, which it's not, if you, you know, it's a different time. It's like, it was two, it was 10 years ago. That wasn't acceptable But, but it wasn't point. 10 years ago. It was from 2011 to 2018. Sure. And it was consistent. So that's seven years sure. of him saying these things. It's not like he said it once in 2011. He was like, oh, oh. And then to bring... It all wrapped up in a little ball with Washington football team. Yeah. One of the worst things that I heard, which has caused a big uproar, is that Bruce Allen was sharing those pictures of the Washington football team cheerleaders uh, to John Gruden and all over the NFL. So these girls yeah. who didn't even know they had these things happening to them are even further disrespected. And, and some of them are my friends, like my yeah. actual friends from real life. Some of them I went to like elementary school with. And these are real people who did not know these things were happening. It happened to them. It's being passed around the NFL like trading cards, and they're real human beings. It's it's nauseating. Like, it's really... I mean, it's important that it's out in the open and we're talking about it and we're thinking about it, but it is like... It makes me physically ill to, to think about all this. And it's like, at a certain point, you know, this is for us, and for a lot of people, this is like a football story, but... This is, like, way bigger than that. Like, this is, and it's, you know, it, it makes you wonder, like, what what now in 2021 do, do consequences for, I mean, frankly, criminal behavior? Criminal. What, Absolutely. What, what does that look like? What, I mean, I don't know. Apparently I mean, the answer is uh, $10 million yeah. to a billionaire so yeah. it's like charging us a hundred bucks be like can you give me a hundred dollars or walk away that is the amount of money that dan snyder got away with right ten million dollars is how much it costs to to do 20 years of ruining a football team right ruining a culture having misconduct highly unprofessional workplace for females and having all of it being ignored for over almost 20 years ten million dollars to a billionaire Right. That's the answer to that question. Yeah, and not to put the cart before the horse here, um, but the thing that I have taken away from this thus far in terms of we're talking about, like, consequences and actions and, and making sure that, like, justice is served and that things that are wrong are, you know, rights, things that are wrong are being righted. I, the What we've seen thus far in terms of, like, fallout, like, uh, you know, Bruce Allen was dismissed from the team from Washington a year ago. Uh, John Gruden has stepped away from his position, you know, despite, you know, whatever. He's, he would have been fired, I think. Um, oh, yeah. And as is now no longer in the Buccaneers ring of ring of fame, whatever. Um, but thus far, there have not been any serious consequences 
like seriously or serious material consequences to Dan Snyder. Um, and to me, that is the difference between millionaires and billionaires, right? Like the guys with the B and with the extra comma there, like they they can insulate themselves in a way that guys without that extra comma can't. Um, so at, at least where we sit right now, it feels as though the 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 millionaire club is the ones who are getting thrown under the bus in preservation of the billionaire club who I think that there is a um I mean I you've been on Twitter you've sort of been reading what's going on there is a lot of anger um all around understandably and justifiably so but it's like at what point does you know the masses anger have an impact on those guys in 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 the B billionaire club it's like it hasn't happened yet you can tell i'm i'm like a little shaken up by this like i usually I 100% yeah try and try and keep it cool on the podcast have a nice little you know conversational thing but like i am a little tied up in knots over how to reconcile all of this because it they it makes it really hard in good faith and good conscience to like support something that ultimately materially benefits such like such a shit bag in Dan Snyder and you know it's hard to kind of separate the okay well this is my team I want them to succeed like I enjoy it when they're good but like ultimately who is who is benefiting off of that so it, there are definitely some some things in there that need to be worked through and maybe that's a me problem I think it is an us I, problem I think it's all of our I think it's a, a it's a community problem yeah I mean, obviously, with the fact that we went from in 2004, 2005 as the second highest attended football team in the NFL to now near the bottom uh, in just you know 15 years shows that us as fans, we're kind of we're we're done with Dan Snyder. We're we're done with the stadium. We're done with all of this crap. But to make it harder for us as fans, the NFL itself has decided to throw most of this un- uh, and hide it. I mean. For the NFL and Roger, so Roger Goodell works for the owners. the owners. He doesn't work. He does not work for the players. He doesn't work no. for the fans. He works no. for the owners. Yes, that's his job. With that, when this all started coming out over the last couple of years, the NFL did. They hired Wilkinson, the lawyer, the young lady Wilkinson, to report. Yeah, they hired her to do a whole investigation. No part of that investigation is in writing. It was an all verbal investigation. So there's no report. Yeah. To come out because the NFL knew what was happening because they had to hide it. They had to hide the product. And as long as the product is saved, it'll be okay. Because right now it's affecting John Gruden, a little bit of Adam Schefter, and a little bit of the Washington football team. But enough to where there's, it's being deflected and not enough to where there's going to be enough uproar to do something more. Because in this 24-hour news cycle, something else will pop up and start knocking it back down. I'm going to ask you a question I know the answer to, but do you think that we would know any of this if some of the contents of those emails weren't personally offensive towards Roger Goodell? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't either. I don't I mean, either. If, I don't think if, it would if ever he, come out. If he hadn't been been using derogatory language specifically about Roger Goodell, maybe this is a cynical thing to believe but i also think there's a lot of cynicism tied up in all of this it, this has all shown us the cynical nature of the, of this world it's like how how much of this is can you divorce from like well he said something mean about me so i'm gonna drag him under the bus like no one disrespects the raj like it's not hard to immediately make those assumptions but you know those are grounded in past experience those are grounded in sort of our understanding of how this league works, of how Roger Goodell there's, operates. There's yeah. reality in, in your statement. There is sure. reality in that. I, it, 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 is not, it is more than just a, a, a leap of faith or a set of, of suppositions to think like, well, I'm, you know, I'm not like big-braining this. I'm not trying to conspiracy theory. But it was like that is it, – it's very hard for me to think that this wouldn't have come about as sort of a way of like Roger Goodell putting his foot down. And you, and you touched on this. There are 650,000 emails. Thousand. And, and again, that is just the emails. Right. That's, and all of this entire investigation. Right. That is just the emails. Right. 
there's like there's a lot more wrapped up in this, and it's sort of like okay, there's a whole hell of a lot of stuff here. It feels as though you need if you're if you're the NFL, if you're Dan Snyder, you need an airtight operation in order pr- to prevent there from being leaks or broader consequences. And I think we're going to find out over the course of the next several weeks and months whether or not that is the case. Um, my hope is that someone somewhere involved in this uh, is able to sort of crack that facade and maybe there are leaks or maybe there is enough pressure to be able to force sort of actual um, material change and impact and consequences. I, though, am not naive enough to believe that that will happen. I have hope, but I I don't have a ton of optimism at this point based on sort of what we know about how this all operates, you know? Well, I have zero optimism on this, and I'm going to go into a little more why, but I'm going to go, I'm going to take away, we just talked about 2011, 2018. We talked about John Gruden, him resigning. We talked about Bruce Allen. But in the last couple of days, watching what the Washington football team has done, I'm putting a direct spotlight on Jason Wright. I'm putting it right back onto, you know, this whole organization currently. It all comes out over this week. The emails come out. They talk about how bad our culture was. So now's the time to sit there and, you know, apologize. Do anything you can. No, instead, what does the Washington football team do? The first thing they did is they all of a sudden made a big deal about adding, uh, promoting a female to marketing in the middle of all this. Yeah, I saw that. And if you saw me on Twitter, the first thing I said was, more than likely, I think her name was Katie. Katie has deserved this promotion for years. More than likely, she is smarter than I'm ever going to be. But they threw her to the wolves to start. Hey, we look like crap again. Let's promote a female out of nowhere. They could have waited a week to do it. They could have waited a couple days to do it. They did it literally within 48 hours of this coming out. Thanks, Jason Wright. You're in charge of marketing, business, and finance. You did that. The second thing they did, and this is the thing that has beyond pissed me off. This is the thing that took us as fans and turned around and, excuse my language, fucked us over. And it fucked us over good. And, Brian, do you know what that was? Yeah, I think I do. Um, and that news came out today. It is currently Thursday. Um, they... They're, they're, they announced today that for Sunday's game, they're, they're going to be retiring Sean Taylor's number, um, which is two things to me. One. They're retiring Sean Taylor's number when? On Sunday. Three days away. Three days from now. It's two things. One, long overdue. And two, n- nakedly cynical and bald-faced just absolutely damage control. And, you know, you would think, in my mind, when I saw this, I, I, like, I couldn't help but, I mean, I gasped and I laughed because you would think that there are a few things that in this sort of day and age and iteration of where we are and with this team and everything they've been through, there are a few things that still remain sacred or sacrosanct or sort of... Um, insulated or immune from the the damage control PR machine, and you'd think that Sean Taylor would fall under that umbrella, but it it's very clear that I mean, in the again in the grand scheme of things, a lot of the other things we've already discussed are much 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 worse than trying to to profiteer or to distract based on Sean Taylor and sort of what has happened with him and sort of the place that he holds in this in player in the in fans hearts but to then use use sort of his memory and his legacy as like a PR the, stunt yeah a, the, a, the a ace damn in the hole, PR stunt the sort of like all right well things are really bad what do we pull out here uh like well i guess you know, I mean, how much worse? There's re- once you've gone, once you once you bring Sean Taylor into it, there's really very little 
else. Like, that's the trump card for them. That's the last move that they have. As a fan, we have been uh, uh, complacent, if not immune, to a whole bunch of the the, the crap that has been thrown up by this organization. And I'm talking about off the field. I'm not talking about the on-field crap, but off-the-field crap. All the they, they butcher London Fletcher, Fletcher's day. Yeah. They they do this this stuff with the the Wilkinson report. They just make life hard for us. They treat us fans like crap. Yeah. But we just kept taking the hits. We kept taking the hits. We kept buying the stuff. We kept loving the 21. We love Sean Taylor. This has sure. been ingrained into who we are as fans. This guy who was awesome who got knocked down in the prime you don't screw with sean you don't take that from us you took around and gave us three days to do this right now for sunday we're playing kansas city so the kansas city chiefs fans that bought tickets because we all stopped buying tickets a long time ago now have a better opportunity to see sean taylor's number get retired than we do and all you had to do was say hey Let's wait a week or two. Let's wait three weeks. Let's do it uh, at the end of November, as at the same time as uh, about the same time as he passed away. Right. Make a big deal. Make it his day. No, no. Jason Wright is in charge of marketing. We were told this culture was going to change. That the fans were going to be important. I walk into that stadium and I see more than half the fans are away fans. Right. I see stuff like this, this crap marketing, and it's you—it's a veil attempt to say, hey, look at this shiny stuff over here so you don't pay attention over there. This entire organization has not changed, will not change until Dan Snyder is gone. Yeah. And the thing with Sean Taylor can't piss me off enough. You, you have screwed us over as fans over and over again, and this is the gut punch. This is the one. And if anybody is smart, anybody is smart, they just won't go to any more games. They just say, done with it. They, watch on Taylor's number get retired. I agree to that. Don't go to any more games. Don't pay $80 to park. Don't pay for their food until this is done. And the only way to make it better is by turning around and saying, no more money for you, Dan. Get the hell out of here. Yeah, and, you know, look, with with the, the Sean Taylor thing, it, it it's hard to to sort of like do this thing where it's like well you know he's a public figure was a public figure um sort of in the in the space like the, when you're a fan of a club and of a player there sort of is this feeling of a of a of a personal relationship right and whether or not you actually knew the guy like you were emotionally invested there and so in a lot of ways there is a a raw um, and a, a personal feeling investment in in a player, and so for something like like that to have happened to him, where he was sort of cut down in his prime, and I mean we don't need to sort of go back over it, but all that is to say, like you know, there are people who would say like, well, this isn't really about you, but I think that there was, and I'm remembering at the time, like there was a kind of a collective com- community. There, were, there was a trauma response to, to what happened. It was incredibly sad. And there were a lot of people who were incredibly sad because there were real human consequences. I mean, you know, with his daughter and sort of his, what, where he was in his life and sort of what he meant to the city kind of as a totem and what he meant to the team and sort of the history. And there's a lot tied up in that. So whether or not you actually knew the guy, you didn't have to be sad whether or not you knew him that he had passed away sort of in such a tragic, tragic manner, right? So... Whether yeah. or not, you know, I don't want, I, lest anyone say, well, this isn't really about you. Those feelings that everyone, that f- folks who, who cared about the team and who cared about Sean, um, at the time, they felt they were real, right? Those are real feelings, and you can't deny that. And, and many of us still have those feelings. That, sure. That, that love, that admiration for a guy. And, and again, if Washington football team didn't want to make this about the fans and only want to make it about Sean Taylor and sure. didn't want to make it a PR stunt— they could have done something small with the family. They could have. They could have made a memorial outside of the stadium, you know, with no fanfare. Right. They could have done that a thousand times. They didn't. They right. turned around and said, we're doing it in three days. Yeah. Because they are trying to deflect from all the pile of shit that is building up behind them and saying, don't look at that. Look over here. Look at what the good stuff we're doing. It's like you, you're screwing us over. You, right. You've made our lives horrible for years, and now – you just you you just hit us right in the stomach. Right, and you if, hit us in the stomach that we don't hate. We hate you. If this is supposed to be like 
a celebration and a, and like a, a like a remembering of of a player and an important person in this franchise and sort of community's history like then let it be that but at the same time you're right you i mean you're on the mark i i can't say anything more than what you've said here and that like this is very clearly a naked distraction to all the other stuff that's going on and i can't go a couple of hours without seeing something else pop up there was reporting in the washington post just yesterday that earlier in the year there was um the team tried to functionally you know i don't want to call it bribe but like use hush money to sort of quiet some of the suppression you know quiet some of the the things that were going on with the the women who were working with the team and just like it's kind of like a and and, the, I and mean, to add to that and to add what you were saying with the hush money yeah. it was also offensively low of, like yeah. you yeah you screwed right. my life over you made a, a living hell for me to come to work every day and you're gonna give me a sweatshirt and a high five like it was right everyone said like if, if you're gonna bribe me try to bribe me with like life-changing money they were like <laughs> yeah here's five thousand dollars like you know what f off right f off and you made me more pissed because you did that yeah it's it it like it truly adds insult to injury based i mean we don't know what the dollars but it really doesn't even matter I, yeah but, but it was, the same everyone time, said it was insultingly low insultingly like, low. again right they were like i i was never going to take the money but if you're going to throw money at me at least at least made me think about it for a split second. Right. And it was like no, it was insultingly low. And and that's a Dan Snyder move. Like here's a couple of bucks let me throw it at you. Yeah. And you know, as it relates to the Jason Wright thing, like I'm a little agnostic. I don't feel necessarily as as strongly as you do, though I do not deny your right to feel the way that you do about it. I think like he has been put in a position to try to make things better. Uh, it's sort of the same same conversation that you have. It's like, okay, well, they brought Julie Donaldson in, who's like very well liked in the area and very respected as as a broadcaster and sort of a personality, and she means a lot and sort of has the history. And it's like, okay, well, I acknowledge that you are trying. Do we do we deny all efforts to try and and fix things? Like, I'm I'm not even gonna try and litigate that or, or separate those things. But it, the whole thing, it just it reeks. It reeks of desperation. 100%. And, and so in my mind, it's like, okay, well, if they are feeling it, and we don't even know, like, we don't even know what else is out there. It's like... There's a lot out there that we don't know. Yeah. And to again, as I'm saying, I'm talking about things that have happened under Jason Wright's term as president. Sure. I'm not talking about the old stuff. that We already did that. Right. But this is directly related to him. And he said and said, we're changing a culture. Yeah. That is not changing a culture. Yeah. Doing these things is not changing a culture. It's just masking the old culture in a little bit different way and saying, look at our shiny stuff as the crap that he's doing and that the whole organization's doing behind him is just piling up more and more and more. The way to handle it is completely different. Ask anybody who's good at PR. They're doing it wrong, and they're continuing to do it wrong, and it, this one was under Jason Wright's watch, and I blame him for the Sean Taylor. Yeah. I blame him for the, the, the BS promotions out of nowhere. He's the one running the marketing, the business, and the finance. And the problem for me as I see it, like as it relates to the, the day-to-day and the week-to-week and sort of like what is my reaction and relationship to this team and where it stands, and I, I will say I don't necessarily have a good answer for that right now. What does it mean? Where? What do? How can I? How, how can I? How can we reconcile fandom, which in many ways, as we have discussed in the past, is an irrational thing, right? Like completely irrational. It's irrational. We're fanatics. Yeah. With sort of all of these real world um, goings on that are somewhere at at a minimum north of repellent and repugnant like it's really bad and so like how can how can we justify those things and again i don't know i don't have the answer it's something that we're i think you're gonna have to work through on an individual level i think that's something that we will continue to discuss because there is some degree of irrationality of sitting down every week or so to talk about this team based on both the on-field and off-field stuff uh, but I will say it just, they, this is a franchise that really doesn't make it so easy to lose yourself kind of in the, 
the fun and good stuff that sports are supposed to be. I see right now you are wearing your Washington Capitals shirt. Uh, I have been so wrapped up in the Caps, both in, tra- in training camp and preseason, and I watched that opening game last night, and Ovi scored two goals, and Hendricks LaPierre, he scored his first goal in his first game, and I feel friggin' great being a fan of the Washington Capitals right now because they make it good and they make it fun and the players are good and the the front office is you know strategic and they make the experience good and I know it's a little bit apples and oranges even though it's not that much apples and oranges but when I think about my feelings and how I uh, react to and relate to that fan experience and what it means to be a fan of that team and then compare and contrast that with how I feel routinely especially right now about my experience and my feelings of being a fan of the the Washington football team, they're they're very different. I'll just put it. I'll put half it. of the state of the arena for the Caps isn't covered in tarps. No, like FedEx is. Half of the arena is not or more visiting fans. You go to you go to that. You go to Nats games. You're talking about uh, oh, 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 just a sea a sea of red. And, and and excitement and, and a team that's been done right. Washington football team is not that. We have what we remember is history. We don't have a present. Now, Ron Rivera is trying to make the present again. And I'm going to give Ron Rivera a little bit of leniency on this one uh, because and we'll talk about that in just a second. But yeah. I give him a little leniency because it's an on-field product and that takes time to build. But off-field right now, that is. What's inside FedEx Field, what's inside of Ashburn, the people running this ship are running it right into an iceberg yep. again yep. and again and again. Um, I think we'll have more to discuss on this in the coming weeks. Uh, this podcast for us, I think, in some ways is both a snapshot and a time capsule. Uh, we'll have the opportunity to come back and reflect on, on this week in, in Washington football history. Needless to say, not, not a great one. Um, should we talk a little bit about the actual football of of this of the situation? I wish I could say that I'd be you know super excited about that, yeah. um, but I, I'm not. <laughs> but we should. Yeah, we should talk we should. about on the field. We should. Well, so I want. Let's get past the off field. I'm going to take a little little breathe real quick because the Sean Taylor thing just really got me worked up. Um, what were your thoughts? Let's 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 talk about the Saints game and let's talk about the overall your overall impression of this game going into the very end of the second half before I mean, second quarter before the last play of the second quarter, what were your feelings of Washington against the saints? So before the last play of the second quarter, um, how far back are we going? Are we going back to when we last spoke? Just no, no, no. We're just going to talk about the saints game the saints. from the beginning of the saints game until the, 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 the right before the last throw of the second quarter. How do you uh, feel about the game? Yeah, I I felt two things. I felt, one, both grateful and surprised that the team had put themselves in a position to be competitive against a franchise and a team in the New Orleans Saints who have had their own off-the-field issues, but as an on-the-field um, product have, have really been... I would say in the class of the league for at least the last 10 years or so, maybe even longer than that. Um, obviously they're under, you know, they, with, with Jameis under center, it's, it's very different than um, how it was with Drew Brees now retired. Uh, so I was feeling cautiously optimistic and a little bit surprised about the fact that they were kind of hanging with them. But at the same time, I'll be honest and maybe foolishly, I was feeling a little bit bummed out because they had already, at to that point, even before the last play of the first half, had already made enough mistakes where I was like, well, they could and should be winning this football game based on oh, handily. on the merits, based on, the, on yeah. the X's and O's. Like they, but, but for mistakes that, in my mind, were wholly self-inflicted, it's like, man, they really should be – they should feel good about themselves that they're hanging here, but they should feel bad because they should be winning this game. That's how I felt about it. Uh, I agree. And, and just before that last play of the second quarter, they did everything they can to stay in the game. But you're right. They didn't do enough to win the game. Right. 
They stayed in the game. Defensive, offensively, there's so much. They had two turnovers in the first half. They they walked. They should have gone in. I would say ten. They should have been up by ten. A touchdown and a field goal. You know, if Hopkins makes that field goal. Right. But the opportunity was there for them to at least be up by ten going into that 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 second half. And if you notice how much they lost by, that was a difference. Sure. Right. There's just about the difference between the two teams. They walk up. Now it is one last play to go into the second half. Let's just let's get into the, the tunnel. Let's get out of here. Our, our offense has just done enough to keep us in the game. Our defense has done enough to get us in the game. defense did pretty good, actually. They mm. had two turnovers. I, I'm not not great. But, I know. But I, you're, to, cou- you're couching it enough that I don't need to yeah, hold your feet enough. to the fire. You, um, know, you know what you're saying. Yeah, and, and so just enough to be involved. And then they go up, and they're like, ah, let's just let's throw a Hail Mary. What's the worst that could happen? Right. Yeah. Between, you know, there was that. They're like dumb penalties, just the turnovers. Um, yeah, and they they lost this game. This is a game that, in my mind, a good team wins and a bad team loses. Yeah. And that, that hail mary at the very end never happens. The defenses were com- the defense was completely out of position. That ball went right into the hands. It was never defended at all. No. And that broke it. That was the brick. That's where. That's when Washington football team got broken. Versus the Saints. Yeah, and that is, you know, I mean, we, we, it has not gone unnoticed. I think that there is a distinct frustration with that, you know, I've seen from the fans and on social media and sort of in the, you know, what's been written. There's a, there's a, a huge frustration about how this defense has been performing this year. Um, some of that a function of expectations going into the year, right? Like we, we sat here. I think a lot of people were sitting around saying, like, this has the potential to be a top five defense in the league based on the folks yeah. that are on this on this unit, based on where they were a year ago, based on what you expect to see in terms of familiarity with one another, with the system, with a sort of progression in, in careers, sort of the young players taking next steps, like injuries, guys with injuries coming back, and um, they unquestioned. They, I mean, they've they've not come even close, and so it's a little bit challenging. Um, or on its face, it can be a little bit challenging to say, like, all right, well, how much of this is on the players individually and how much of it is on the the coaching staff and the schemes? I will tell you right now, I think everyone is at fault. I put, personally, I put more of this on, on Jack Del Rio than I do on, say, Chase Young or Montez Sweat individually, uh, or even some of the guys who, man for man, I think, you know, if we're, if we're naming names, have been more of a disappointment particularly on on the back end and I think folks are pretty miffed with Landon Collins with Will Jackson with uh, Kendall Fuller Cam Curl that, like, that secondary has been just a pile yeah it's not been I good mean, it's not been good no um, it's been it's but it's been like we went in with high hopes we, we knew everybody knew the secondary and the linebackers were going to be the issues this year and they have they keep showing that they are uh, the the line is good. The line, if you look at the numbers, the line is stopping the run. They're, it is stopping good. the run. They're not yeah, great. They're not great, but we, they're we good. Thought they're they were stopping the run. We thought they were yeah. going to be great, and so they haven't been. So I think everybody's like a little bit frustrated. It's, it's hard to be. It's hard to be great. Sure. In that line, unless because again, they always say if that secondary is holding the position, just allowing more time for the line to tee off, they'll do better. They're stopping the run, but the but the time it takes to sack a quarterback. That secondary is not giving it to them. They are just being shredded like cheese over and over again. And so these quarterbacks are just quick throw, quick throw, quick throw, done. Yeah, and based on just like the nature of the sport, it is an 11-man unit. Like they kind of have to all work together as one in order for it to work successfully. And, you know, I'm not I'm not (laughs) – You've said this a thousand times. Like I'm not a tape eater in this day and age. Like I do enjoy looking at all 22 from time to time. I actually think it's a preferable way of watching the game because you can sort of see more than just what the camera's showing you. But it feels to me fairly clear that schematically there are issues, and you know that there schematically are issues when it gets to the point where someone is asking Ron Rivera in a press conference, like, "Are you thinking about making a change?" 
and he feels com- yeah. compelled to have to defend and say, no, we are not thinking about making a change. Um, not a great sign, right? Not, a, not exactly a great sign when you have put a lot of faith both in your personnel and your coaching, and it's not up to snuff. Like, if the season ended today, obviously there's a lot of football left to be played. If the season ended today, I would say that the defense has been an abject failure as it relates to what their expectations were. Um, You know, there is some amount for us of having to be real about what this team is and where they're at and like and I'm not even going to use the abstract like dealing with distractions type thing because you know that's an easy that's an easy thing to sort of like that thing to like throw out there and just say like oh well you know they're dealing with distractions but I think from an X's and O's perspective they're just they're not getting it done and it's incredibly frustrating to watch and is is some of that a, a function of we expected more yeah of course it is but, you know, like, golly, what do you, what do you got to do in order to put yourself in a position to at least not embarrass yourself? Well, and that's what I, I kind of want to go through that. The, the whole idea right now is that we came into the season better, better than last year. We have a better – the quarterback's more seasons. Our secondary's more seasons. We, we have better wide receivers. We're better running backs. We're better. Everyone's better. Right now, the difference between us being oh and everything – and lost two wins is five points. So if we have six points, is five would be tied, yeah. six points. So the six points is us not winning any game so far. Yeah. Because – so that's how close we are to just being nothing right now. Right. Less than nothing. A good team, who's a team that's on the verge, the cusp of being better, will lose games by a minimal amount of points. Right. We have been getting ruined when we lost. Chargers was by four. The Bills blew us out. Uh, we only beat the Falcons by – Four points, and the Saints beat us by eleven. Eleven and a blow and a twenty something. That's a those are blowouts. We're not getting close to the next echelon of teams. We're not even in the same category. The idea that we're going to be good this year or going to turn it around is false. We are not going to be good. The only thing we can show is can we improve? Are we going to improve? And damn it, we better because what we have to go up against over the next couple of weeks is going to be. Hard. Yeah, it doesn't get any easier here. I think that you know, Washington has one of the hardest schedules um, going into the next stretch, really until they start to play division games again, which doesn't happen until week 14. Like, even just... Things, out- like, uh, things like December, right? November, December. Uh, yeah, they play De- December, December 12th. December 12th, December 12th is the next... Uh- Good game we play against our division. And again, not not putting the cart before the horse. We'll just rattle these off. They get the Chiefs this weekend. They go at Green Bay. They have at Denver, who are not great, but they are looking better than they have in the past. They get the they get the bye week. They have the Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They have the Car- Carolina Panthers, who are not looking who, nearly who as are, bad. Sam Darnold is looking good. I know. Really, really shows you that um, the Jets are just like cursed. Like the Jets are just <sighs> a, a black hole of suck. It, we uh, would be the worst team in the NFL if it wasn't yeah, for the Jets. Yeah, God bless the Jets. Seattle, who I still think is um, is a class organization. Then Las Vegas. Yep. Um, we don't even know what they're going to look like starting this week. Now with the sort of the, the turnover there and the and the Gruden situation, but it, it's not it's not going to get easier from a competition standpoint you hope that your your players you hope your team gets better over the course of the year though it sort of feels like they I haven't seen thus far that that jump or like that progression I feel like we've gotten kind of the same level of of skill where like we've one, we won close against bad teams, right? So they beat the Giants by one, and they beat the Falcons by four. And then they got their doors blown off of them at Buffalo, who we both agree are going to be, I think... Buffalo's great. They're like Buffalo's the, going to be, yeah. They're the class of the league right now. The Saints, I don't think, are as good as Buffalo, and they still lose by 11 to them. And then, you know, f- frankly, at this point, based on how the Chargers are looking... Uh, the, that we only lost to them by four is is almost a, as surprising a result as anything that has happened thus far this year because the Chargers, um, 
that's an organization that you know they've again had their own issues and that a lot of it is off the field stuff but like justin herbert is is a baller um he's he's killing it right now they're, but they're cool. again we are as a team we are not improving except for the chargers game but we're not improving as a team we are the same team as we were last year right just with a war secondary yeah, and I guess, you know, if we're, if we're going to talk about the on-field stuff, and we, we, we are and we should, um, I am curious where five weeks into the season what your thoughts are on the evaluation on, on Taylor Heineke. Like, what, do you, what, have you, what are your feelings, what are your impressions, what are your thoughts on what you've seen out of him over the course of these five games or four games and three quarters because he didn't start the first one? I like him. And this is hard for me to say because he's not a winning quarterback right now. Mm-hmm. It's not a winning team right now. But Heineke wants to win. He he has the confidence. He has the ability to forget. I like that he's trying. I mean, that, that throw he had to McLaurin in the, in the end zone was the most errant throw I've ever seen in my entire life that turned into a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And But he's trying. He's making mistakes. He's second year, second like he played a little bit before last year, but this is his first time ever being a full NFL quarterback. So we're like sitting here, and he's doing, he's doing a good job. I'm not saying he's the best ever, but I think he's going to be good. What are your thoughts? Um, I, he has done in my mind, based on the circumstances, enough to warrant continuing to be where he is right now. I do not, I don't think he's the long-term answer. Um, in, Probably in a not, league yeah. In a league that is so driven, it's basically teams that are good are ones that have great quarterbacks. Like, you can't have a good quarterback in the absence of, like, a bunch of other things and still succeed. And And based on how the NFL is structured like you have to basically have a one of the five best guys in the league in order to have a a reasonable chance to to be a not just successful but like not not to win the whole thing but like to be in in the conversation of of successful um you know Washington made the playoffs last year in a crap division at seven and nine uh they lose their starting guy who I don't think anyone had any um no one no one thought that Ryan Fitzpatrick was gonna win them a Super Bowl, but I think really no. thought that he was gonna be a, a sort of a step in the right direction, maybe a bridge, they kinda of figure it out. An, an improvement for this year. Improving each year. Sure. And absolutely and so the the long term answer quarterback is not Taylor Heineke and he at times has looked good enough to win them games but also unquestionably has made decisions um, or been put in situations where he's had to make decisions that have lost them games, too. He's Agreed. he's made some really dumb mistakes, and some of it you chalk up to being like, okay, well, he's young, and he has a specific, albeit maybe somewhat limited skill set, and he kind of doesn't have the pedigree of, he, you know, he didn't go to Alabama. He didn't go to USC. Like, he didn't go to a big D1 school. He doesn't really Man, have... But I tell you what, when... when Sometimes watching him run around like a crazy human being doing some of the crazy stuff he does, I love it. I'm not going to lie. I love it. I know it's not polished, but, man, even though he threw that ball at McClurin, it got caught. And you go, when that touchdown came up, I couldn't have been happier. Him half laying on his back, letting one fly. Like Sometimes it's it adds a little bit of excitement. It adds that extra flair that I love to see in, in an NFL game that's sometimes way too polished. Sure, and what did we want going into this season? We thought that we were going to see with Ryan Fitzpatrick. We just wanted something that was good and fun to watch, right? Like, yes. I don't think we deluded ourselves into thinking that this was going to be a team that was going to be overly successful. Maybe they were – I mean, we, we I think we both picked them to win the division, um, but, you know, it's – I I, so, yeah. I did, I know for sure. Um, but uh, right now I think he – is a is a status quo guy that maybe you plug in to if you plug him into a scenario where he's sort of like got everything else working for him and that's not to say that there aren't things that aren't working because I think Terry McLaurin has in spite of the circumstances elevated himself into the conversation of one of the best receivers in the league 100% Antonio, God, what a good what a good receiver oh Antonio Gibson has um has you know we've been I think hard on him here on this podcast but he is I think 
taken steps forward. He's he's a far better player than he was 365 days ago. Like he's, he's over five yards of carry right now. Yeah, and the the bottom line I think is if you're going to what it's it's a it's an expectations question in a lot of ways. It's like, well, what are you hoping to see? You know, maybe maybe at the current juncture he is just enough, but then you also have to modulate what your expectations are and like where do you want the team to be and what do you think they're going to do? I I don't think he's the long-term answer and I think it was it's totally cool and fine for anyone who was like really excited that he got this opportunity to play because it yeah. is like kind of a cool and fun story. But I um my 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 long-term hopes and sort of like how do I envision this team if and when they eventually break through into the conversation of being relevant and good f- like as an on-field product? I don't think it involves yeah. Taylor Heineke being under center. So you kind of, I guess, have to play the cards you're dealt. But at the moment, it just sort of is starting to feel like that hope is um, was potentially misplaced. And you kind of just have to... You know, hope for the best now at this point. I I still have a little hope. I'm not gonna pretend like I don't. I have a little hope. I think he I think he he could get better for Heineke, but I still have a little hope. I know I know that's that's fandom right there. That is fandom. But I have a little hope that that he's gonna he's gonna be able to be be it. Now of course if Aaron Rodgers comes available, you go get Aaron oh, Rodgers. Yeah, you got it. You but got him. <laughs> but I'm sitting looking at Heineke going, man, I, I think he could have a decent end of the season. So I haven't given up hope on him yet. I've the defense is where my problems are. But up comes Kansas City Chiefs, who are kind of limping around right now. Yeah. We're, I, I hope that we have an opportunity if Del Rio pulls this game together and allows us just to be inside a game against Mahomes. There's a chance. Just let us have a chance. Have a chance. We may lose, but at least let us have a chance. Fun. Yeah, well, hope. Absolutely. Hope, uh, hope's what we're all about here on the Cult of Colt, a podcast that is produced and edited by me brian stabby my co-host and director of social media who has been absolutely fire this week is gumby you can follow the cult of cult on twitter at the cult of cult that's all one word we're also on untapped at b stabby and at d cumberland jr pretty fire there as well highly recommend you give us a little check on the the untapped you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts apple podcasts google play stitcher spotify by searching hogshaven a washington football team podcast and we ask that if you like what you've heard, that you do three simple things, that you subscribe, that you rate us five stars, and you encourage just one friend to check us out. It does make a huge impact on our ability to find new listeners, and we know that your listening time is valuable. We appreciate you taking that time to spend it with us. So many people... Oh, Gumby, you got something to share. What are you sharing here? Tell me what you're sharing. So this just came across. I, I hate to jump right oh, in, but we talked about it. We're jumping it. back in. So, so we're jumping back just real quick before we, we end this. Uh, Washington football team, Jason Wright admits to a massive mistake with the short notice on the retirement number of Sean Taylor's jersey at, after a massive fan outcry. Oh, boy. That is uh, breaking as, as it comes, right as we're about to get ready to go into the credits. Uh, so he must have been listening, even though we haven't published just yet. Um, he can hear. He can hear us. He can hear us, and you can hear us. And we hope you'll continue to listen to us here on... The Cult of Cult. <laughs> <laughs>